Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I'm recording this introduction on a drizzly morning here in Marrakesh, Morocco, about to spend some time testing out the new Ducati Desert X. But for today's conversation, I'm joined by Brian McVickers, and we're going to go into some of the Overland news for January, which is going to include a deep dive into some of the Overland events that we can expect for this year for 2024, including a very cool new music festival slash Overland event in Utah. So please enjoy my conversation with Brian McVickers. So Brian... Thanks for coming back for another round of Overland News That's for, the, o- for been, the Overland Journal podcast. I've been trekking across Africa for I, the past yeah, few months. I, yeah, I have been flat out. And it's been an interesting exercise for me because I'm realizing that the things that are, where I'm at in my life, the things that I want to do are bigger projects. Hmm. So it's it's really requiring me to triage um, the the minor things in life so that I can major in the majors. And that's been an interesting challenge because I'm looking for, at first, what I did was I looked for as many ways as I could be more productive as possible. So I went on this like tirade of reading productivity books and everything else like that. And I found that a couple things worked. Most of them didn't work or they weren't sustainable for me. And that's the challenge. It's the same with dieting. It's so individual what actually helps to drive change in sure, your yeah, life. The, the, the best five things to do book uh, isn't necessarily for everybody. Yeah. And there's so many different principles out there around productivity. But the one thing that I did find was very helpful is to identify what the next most important thing was. Now, this may not work for everyone because maybe they have a boss or something like that. But for me, there's like these bigger levers that I need to be able to pull in order to get things done, the important things finished. So there's this whole idea around listing in the areas of your life that you have identified as most important. What is the next most important step? Hmm. And I suspect, because I know that this was true in my life, but in a lot of people's lives, there's these things that are really important that you think you can put off for one more day and then one more day. And then you miss out on these really big opportunities because you spent a bunch of time answering emails or text messages or maybe even scrolling on social media. It's easy to get wrapped up in it all. In the minutia. So then you're never accomplishing anything significant that really moves the ball forward down the field. So I found for me, I have a list of the top three next and most next most important things that are related to my personal life, which includes health and that are related to my business. So, um, I know all the time, what's the next most important thing. Mm -hmm. And I wish that there was a way for me to like dangle a neon sign around my chest that just said, I'm so sorry that I haven't gotten back to you. (laughs) But the reality is, is that if I got back to everyone who reached out to me in as timely a fashion as possible, I would never get anything done. You can't, there's no, it's, there's no productivity. You're stagnant. That's right. That's right. So, and I realized that like working more, I mean, I already, because I love what I do, I work seven days a week already. So like, I have to have other balance in my life. I have to be able to spend time with my girlfriend. I have to be able to spend time with my family. I have to be able to spend time on my health. Mm. And that means that if I want to major in the majors and I want to get big things done or do big trips or whatever else, 
I've got to put a lot of that small stuff aside. Yeah, it's not easy to do. I'm not, I've never considered myself to big, be a big like New Year's resolution yeah. person because I don't think that that has a long lasting effect. They usually don't. Um, but I, I do appreciate the idea of there's a, there's a date on the calendar that kind of allows us all to reset. Yeah. Right. And so probably the last two months as the year has turned over, I've gone through a lot of that as well of like, what can you do better? How can you do better? What's, what are the barriers in the way? Yeah. And, and, and are they, are they really important barriers? Right. So is it something that you should focus on and try to, you know, like smooth out that barrier or do you just push it aside? Right. What are you and most so, proud of for what you did in 2023? Oh, you know, I, I tell you what, for 2023, 2023 from the business world was not an easy world. Yeah, it was a hard year. It was a hard year for a lot of, a lot of companies, a lot of, a lot of consumers, right? Yeah. So it was difficult for a lot of consumers that I think- A lot of families were struggling with inflation. Very much else. so. I think everything that we've seen for the past couple of years has finally caught up. Right. Yeah. I think I remember at the end of 2022, you kind of had a lot of people screaming, Hey, the sky is falling. There's going to be this major recession. We're all doomed. <clears throat> I don't know that we necessarily hit that, you know, major catastrophe, but I do think that it, it kind of, it, that idea did impact 2023 in many ways. Yeah. By most standards, we had a fairly soft landing Yeah, very, and the interest, the it. interest rate corrections are going to help fuel some consumer demand because things will be less expensive from a monthly payment perspective. Yeah. But well, and, and also like, you know, just also as your friend, it's just like, I continue to be so impressed by you and your kids. I mean, like, yeah. and Amy, it's just like the, the things you guys have done as a family and just how incredible your son and daughter have turned out. Yeah. They're both pretty amazing. And they're, cause doing... it's, it's hard to do that, Brian. I mean, like, like, it's very, very difficult to not only still be married. How long have you guys been married? 23 years. Now. Okay. To still be with your same. Going on 24, almost 24 years. To be with your spouse and to have healthy, happy kids right. that are doing amazing things in the world and are amazing to be around. Yeah. Like, that's got to be the top 1% of 1% of outcomes for most people. It's, nor They're just, it's normal to me. I mean, that, cause that's, thankfully, our, uh, thankfully it's normal. Thankfully it's normal you know? for you. But I mean, the more people we hang out with and the more kids, my, the, the, the more kids I meet the same age as our kids, everyone, I'm like, well, our kids are pretty, pretty special. <laughs> you know, our son, Max, he's just, you know, he's rock star shining. Yeah. He's doing, so he just had a mountain bike race this yeah, last weekend, three days ago on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, Those photos race. were so great. Yeah. It's cool. It's a first he, he races on the high school team, and then this is a – it's called MBAA. So it's a, it's kind of the Arizona Independent Racing Division, which is like an off-season off thing from the high school season. So It looked like he was kind of sponsored by maybe one of the local bike shops is, or something. Yeah, he's with High Gear Bike Shop. Dude, that's so cool. He's on their team, yeah. It's that's of, incredible. Yeah, it's really neat. No, so it's absolutely – He's a 16-year-old, you yeah. know, and he's – and he's doing great. He's got a great bike. He's he's on a Niner Rocket, you know, and it's just – it's one of those – you know, 23, 22 pound carbon fiber race bikes. And, wow. And he makes that thing so fast. Yeah. And he's really doing well this year. So, oh man. Yeah. That's he so placed awesome. in state and he, he did. He's on the podium half of the year. So it was great. Oh, that, man. That's incredible. So, 
Yeah, yeah you should be really pr- proud of that, Brian. So the next thing that we wanted to kind of touch on is what, looking back on 2023, what were some of the gadgets, personal purchases yeah. um, that you really found hit the mark for you? Yeah, it's funny when you look back at, at 12 months, I mean, kind of doing what we do, how many different vehicles have we driven this year and how many different gadgets have come across our desk, you know, and things that we've used, um, you know, from a productivity standpoint, um, I'd say the, the biggest change from productivity standpoint of just like work management is, um, I went to that, that iPad. Yeah. The iPad pro. Yeah. The one I got from you. Yeah. The iPad pro. Yeah. Right. So the iPad pro, cause I had been on, I had been on Mac laptop, everything Mac, except I was using like a, like a PC Microsoft tablet. Right. And it just didn't, didn't fit. It was like the odd thing out. Right? Yeah. Once you're in the ecosystem, it kind of works. Yeah. So going over to that being completely Apple across the board, you know, whether you like Apple or not, it's just that idea of being in, have one cohesive operating system, Yep. you know, it, whether it works all the time or not, at least you're not trying to make, you know, it's not the square peg in the round hole. You know, everything's working together. So that, that has really helped a lot because I do all my notes with that little stylus. Sure. And um, so that, that does a lot. Um, and then, you know, vehicle-wise, I know we'll probably dive deeper into it a lot more later, but I think there were a couple of vehicles that really stood out to me this year, and I drove – I probably drove more vehicles at product launches this year than any other year. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've been gone. Because you've been gone. So you're welcome <laughs> to stay away as long as you'd like because it's a lot of fun to go to those vehicle launches. It is fun. Um, and so I'm happy to do that. It's, that's, a, that's a great part of the job. But I would say one that I was well, – I mean, to begin with, you start the year – at least I kind of started the year with, with Easter Jeep and Moab, which was kind of April timing, right? And actually before that, we did a Range Rover thing up in Park City. Yep. Um, and that was really cool. It, it snowed like 27 inches in 12 hours. Great environment for it was a Land amazing. Rover. Yeah, yeah, they're really well suited to that. And that, and we got to see the debut of their Range Rover house and a lot of different things there. Um, not a lot of driving with that event, but then in in Moab, we got to do the you know every year Jeep does the five to seven kind of. Mopar Skunk Works projects. Concept vehicles, yeah. yeah. Which one is your favorite of all the concepts? Of the concepts, I think I really liked that, um, the Magneto, Magneto oh, sure. 3, right? So it was yeah, yeah. fully electric. I liked it as a proof of concept vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it was fully electric, 900 foot-pounds of torque, 900 horsepower. I think it was on 44-inch tires. As it should be, yeah. It had, yeah. you know... Or at least 40s, yeah. It was a zero-degree approach and departure angle. I mean, the thing was insane. Wicked. And, you know, when you get into the details of it, yeah, it probably had like a 50-mile range, but that yeah. didn't matter. No, it Like, didn't it, it's a proof of concept, right? Sure, sure. And so a lot of people would look at it, and there was a lot of chatter about like, oh, it's useless. It's like, no, the thing's amazing. Yeah. You know, and so that was really neat to get to drive that. Um, and that's the thing about innovation is you have to have version 1.0 of anything. You do. And if you, and unfortunately, people are so critical that they don't even, they can't see the future because they, all they know is what they have now. Right. So, and if it's different than what they have now, then it's, it's, it's got to be terrible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No. So if you look at it from the innovative standpoint, I really thought that was a neat concept vehicle. And then you got to um, spend some time with that Grand Wagoneer. 
that Dude. we ended up getting to have here at the office. And yeah, the Grand Wagoneer was a, was a great truck. It was a little big. Um, I think just it's, from my no, it's very big. It's, it's a, a suburban. It's a big. Car. It's a suburban. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's a big truck. You know, it's like you said, it's the size of a suburban, and it's not. You know, it has a suspension that I think yeah. lifts up a little bit. Air suspension, yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, I really enjoyed driving that vehicle. Yeah. Um, but it was big. Like it was you had big. to. It's one of those vehicles that every time you get in it, you walk around it yeah, to remind sure. you where the corners are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a big, big, big truck. And they had that ooh, the red tail Overland tent on top. Yeah. Know? And so it was really well, interesting. well done on the inside. Yeah, interesting yeah. proof of concept. I really liked how. They redid the fender flares that moved the belt line up at the tires, and they went with a much larger diameter tire. And it, in my mind, it completely changed the look of the vehicle in a positive direction. I've always felt like that the small wheel wells it 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 underclasses the car. Yeah. Like, like premium vehicles like that need to have bigger wheel wells and bigger wheels or tires. It really didn't look. So, if you look at us like a, a stock Wagoneer, yeah. it doesn't look like a Wagoneer. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it was very cool. Very, very much like they showed up with the Overland Edition. It worked. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, and then from that same event coming home, I drove that. Um, it was the, it was the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trailhawk four by E, and that was a really. I, I really enjoyed driving that vehicle. I drove it from Moab back to Prescott, and there was at one point I filled up, I filled up the fuel tank. And I had zero auxiliary battery left, right? I, you know, but it does this self-regenerating. Yeah, and it's know, hybrid, so every time you put on the brakes or lift the throttle, yeah, yeah. And we, I drove that back from. I filled up in Flagstaff, and I drove to Prescott, which is only a hundred miles or yeah. so. But I, I pulled into Prescott, and you know, it says the your range. Yeah. So I had two miles. I gained two miles in range yeah. over a hundred miles. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty neat. Yeah, you know, the fuel gauge never never really moved, yep. and the overall range increased in that hundred miles. So, I think from a practicality standpoint, as a daily driver and adventure vehicle, I really liked that one. Well, that's so interesting that you say that because it for me it was one of the standout vehicles from twenty twenty three for mm -hmm. me. It like if I didn't do this as a profession, like if I just like. Was sailing around something. was sailing around the world, and I needed a car back in Arizona. Yeah, that would be the car I would buy because it. I love the fact that you have that plug-in <clears> hybrid <throat> range, like where we live in Prescott. You know, anytime I'm driving a four by E here, I charge it at the office, and it, it's the equivalent of fifty something cents a gallon, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> which is much less than just to drive fuel. around town back Correct. and forth commuting. Correct yeah. in electricity and. I also never have to go to a gas station. I just, I don't have to interrupt my day. Like I pull up to the office and I plug it in. It takes no time at all to plug it in. Yeah. And then it's always got a full fuel tank. So I never have to go to the gas station and I'm always ready to go on a long trip. Yeah. And you don't think twice about trying to plan out recharging stations on a long trip. And it's a yeah. pleasure to drive in all conditions, including fairly technical terrain. And I even towed um, an Escapod teardrop trailer with it off-road. Oh, yeah, those are cool. And I was really, yeah, very nice trailer. Like, I mean, it's it's got to be one of the most premium teardrops made, yeah. period. It's got, I think, the it's got the cleanest lines out of anybody. Yeah, it's this injection. you really can't see the... Injection molded. Any seams. 
it's very quiet. I mean, it's, it is ultra premium and it's also expensive. I mean, that's the, with everything comes a, comes a caveat, sure. but, um, it is, uh, extremely well-made, made in the United States, made in Utah. Um, but yeah, the four by E Grand Cherokee for those that are like that need a daily driver, but let's say your commutes around 10 miles. Like it's like the perfect vehicle. Yeah. It's just the perfect vehicle. Now, I drove the, I drove the Wrangler. It was a Wrangler Rubicon four by E. Yep. You did. And I drove that up over, I, I drove that from Prescott up to Loveland and took it to the Overland Expo. And then I uh, coming home, I went up over engineer pass which is personally, it's one of my favorite passes in Colorado to do. There's a couple of campsites that yeah. are up. I'm not going to say where, because is that the one where you drive favorite. by this like remote cabin with the little stream and everything on, yeah. on the tr- They're building more, they're building more properties up there now, oh, man. but there is a, you kind of do this right turn and you're gutting just up above tree line. And there's a little cabin that has a green, it's a, like a, a bridge. Yes. Uh, it's a bridge walkway. Yes. And so the, the house, the cabin's built on like a rock spire. Yes. Yeah. And then the it's one. completely surrounded by just empty air. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right? It's beautiful. It's a really cool one. I stopped and took a picture of that one. And then, um, but I, what I really enjoyed about the, the Wrangler four by E in that environment is, you know, I think it's got maybe 25 yep. miles of range. Yep. So I couldn't use it the entire time, but so I filled up down in Lake City, mm-hmm. is it? And then, you know, I drove it in in gas mode up until I got to tree line. And then when I got to the tree line, I switched over to electro, electric only. And, and the other advantage of that is electric power is not affected by altitude. Right. Yeah, so you didn't feel so you make any the of that same altitude. power at altitude as you do at sea level, yeah. and the torque, the torque of the, yeah. the electric in mean, low range for sure. Yeah, you just the, all those little ledges up above tree line, effortless. It was, yeah, not a, not an issue at all. And so I I drove it all the way up to the summit on electric power and rolled down all the windows, turned the radio off, and just drove. So cool, and it was a completely different experience to. To be able to do that and then have that that quietness and that calm. Just the crunch of the tire is all yeah. you get. And it was and so the key, the trick that I do is I get to I think it's Lake City or City of Lakes, yeah. right there. Lake City. Yeah. Lake City. And I get there about and because this is usually in the middle of the summer, right? So I'll get there about six PM, fill up with gas. I got like one you know, gas pump in the town. And then all the side-by-side traffic is off the trail. All the Jeep traffic is off the trail. There's like nobody up there. So then you can go from there to the summit and you get to the summit just as the sun is setting. Wow. And there's nobody around. Wow. It's got to be one of my favorite little side trips to do. Mm. Um, and but then you, now everybody knows. Now everybody knows. So <laughs> just don't do it when I'm there. And then you drop over the other side and you go down into Telluride yeah. the next morning, grab a coffee, and then you drive home. But, so good, man. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. That was a good trip. But Yeah, I think for me, when I look back on the year, I mean, there's been like a couple – I. I continue to like reduce my kit but there are some things that i've really leaned on i really have liked the garmin watch mm-hmm. um i've always been an analog watch guy but for traveling i'm finding it to be very useful and i use it on a daily basis for also tracking health metrics primarily my sleep 
So that's been really useful. And I, and I'm still wearing my aura ring and it's been interesting to kind of compare the outcomes. They track very similarly. Some days they do and some days they don't, but also like the watch is on my right wrist and the ring is on my left hand. So if while I'm sleeping, you know, I don't know, like maybe I'm laying on my right side and my left might be moving, you know, who knows? Yeah. Little tiny things. Yeah. That maybe is making a difference, but it isn't, it isn't always exactly the same, but they're both very actionable kind of, but I, what I like about the Garmin is it's not constantly yelling at me to do something like an Apple watch. You can turn a lot of that off on the Garmin and you might be able to on the Apple as well. You probably can. Uh, but the, you know, the Apple is very much trying to keep you informed. Right. Whereas the Garmin is trying to keep you um, accountable, yeah. I would say more than anything. Well, I've been using a Garmin watch as well, and it's aside from the, you know, everything that you would expect it to do, it does great. Mm-hmm. But I've been I, a couple of weeks ago, I did a bit of a dip, deep dive into the apps. Yeah, and the apps are endless. I think it's the IQ Store. Yeah, and and you can just get so many different things onto the watch. And so right. I've been, I spent a good couple of days using it to track skiing oh cool right so it's got a ski app it'll tell you you know how many runs you've done your altitude speeds heart rate oh that's clever and then um just the other day i figured out how to actually store music onto it you can do that yeah and so like yesterday i went for a run and i was able to play music on my watch to my earbuds and just left my phone behind uh which is great the only thing i wish i think it'd be amazing if garmin came out with a way to turn the watch into a phone. Yeah, Kinda which like you can do on the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch. And I'm, I'm torn a little bit because especially for travel, and, I, and I've, I've kind of stopped using the Apple Watch and just use the Garmin Watch even for travel. Same for me. And yeah. the thing about it is it's got the flashlight on it. I know. It's I don't know game what changer. It is, but I love having the flashlight no, it's for a, travel. At first I thought it, this is going to be the biggest gimmick right. of, of all time. And, then, and I was talking to Gianni. And um, Gianni Donati, if you're listening, thank you for the insights on. But he's like, he's like, no, 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 dude. He's like, he's like, I'm telling you. And this guy's pretty switched on. Yeah, he's pretty stylish. And he's like, no, no, dude. He's like, the the light's amazing. It is, and it's amazing. It's the reason. Like, if I've got my, I look I'm so at the glad Apple you brought watch. that up. Well, I look at the Apple Watch. I really like it for travel because it has a, it's a phone. Yeah. Right. I have mine. It's a cellular one. It yeah. Hooked up. It's got its own phone number. Everything. So it's a phone. And so if I was to lose my phone, now I've got my watch. Right. Right. But in reality, like the Garmin does so much more and it has the flashlight. Yeah. That I've been taking the Garmin more and I like. The flashlight is I'll so. Wear the, I'll wear the Apple Watch as like a daily something every once in a while. The flashlight is brighter than the flashlight on an iPhone. Oh, by far. Yeah. And it has four different levels plus a red mode. Yeah. So if you, wanna, if you don't want to smoke your night vision. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> For those who are watching on YouTube. <laughs> but it's no, like, light up a room. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 very, very useful. But if it, they if they figured out a way to make you have cellular integration, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm kinda glad now it doesn't have everything. I'm kinda kinda glad it doesn't. It's nice to check out. I'm kinda glad that it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that I like about it. So that one's a pretty cool one. Um and then Coincidentally, I happen to be talking about uh, an Apple product too, but these new AirTags, they've been out for a couple years. And 
when I started the Africa trip, I decided that, okay, I'm going to use these things. And I got four of them. Okay. So on each set of keys for the Grenadier, I have an Apple AirTag. Okay. And there's these little uh, carabiner brackets that you can put on the keychain that keeps the AirTag with it. And then I put one in my camera bag, and then I put one in my luggage. So like right now, I can monitor where this truck is. It's being stored securely and with sure. great consider and care, consideration and care, I'm sure, by uh, the dealership in Nairobi. But I can see if, if this thing is driving around. Right. And, and it'll probably send you an alert if it moves, right? It. It, maybe it does that, but I have not seen it do that. Maybe you have to set that if yeah. it moves. Um, but for me, it, where, where it's really been useful is there's this, there's this like frustration around travel when you check your bags. Like, am I ever going to see my luggage again? And there's something about being able to see the little blue dot going into the plane yeah. that is so satisfying. <laughs> it just, it changes. It's reassurance. Yeah. It changes the nature of the next leg of the journey. Yeah. Because like, if the thing doesn't make it on the plane and it's still clearly, then I, you know, usually you have Wi-Fi on a plane. You can start the process of getting the thing yeah. sorted to the next location. But if you see it go onto the plane and it's like going with you down the taxiway, it's so rewarding, so rewarding. Yeah. And then, you know, for any of the other stuff that you're doing, you just know where this luggage is going. Like you can see it moving here or moving there. Or it's like, I know exactly where everything's at. That's where it'd be really helpful. It's with the higher price stuff. Yeah. It's just right. really, and it's such a small little item. You just kind of stash it in the luggage yeah. and, you know, or in the car. And you kind of know where things are going. So I, I really do like that so, quite a bit. Similar to that, I just started using a product called, um, it's called the Scout. So it's made by um, Noog, Nog, K-N-O-G. And it's the, Never heard of it. The, 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 the product itself is called the Scout. Okay. Okay. And it's a little black box, right? And it mounts to you can you could, it's got 3m sticky back so you could mount it to say a set of skis okay. or you know your trailer or really anything that's kind of you know more of like a, a hard goods item that you would stick something to yeah right? sure and then um like i've got them on like the race bikes okay right? so we race mountain bikes they're not you know they're pretty nice yeah if they get Pinch, yeah. pinch, and then yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. You got, you know, it's, that would really be lousy. And so I want to be able to keep track of them. Because right? you're going to hunt those suckers down. Yeah. And you're going to so be like can, Liam Neeson. You can hide gonna these call these guys the up. Bike. And they do this with AirTags too. This is kind of a new one that's like not a lot of people know about, so you wouldn't know what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So you can hide them on the bike. It uses the, um, it uses the same software as the Apple AirTags. Oh, got it. Right, same technology. And so on any iOS device, you can, it basically gets tracked into that cloud network. Right. Um, and so it's pretty cool. And if you, you can set it so that whether it's on a set of skis or a bike or your motorcycle, they'd be great for motorcycles. Um, if somebody, you can set it so that if it gets moved, it'll like scream. <laughs> it, it turns into like a car alarm. And, and that's kind of neat. That I love that. Too. I so. love that. And then I think a, a couple of the things that come to mind, I, you know, I just got this, uh, ether puffy and I think like a, like a hooded puffy is such a like grand 
staple Mm -hmm. of any clothing. And because I try when I travel to never check bags, like, like I have this like personal, I feel like I've been a failure as a traveler if I have to check a bag, which on my next trip, I have to check a bag because I'm bringing, I'm bringing motorcycle gear with me. So I have to check check a bag. So I'm going to use a, a Redox. Um, they, they make these really lightweight, rollable, but in, somehow impossibly endurable um, big bags that are just the perfect size for a motorcycle gear. So the, the one that you're taking is like the air. It's like a, it's aircraft something. It was kind of designed for pilots to just put all their stuff in. Yeah, and it works great. Yeah. So I can fit boots, helmet, full you know, gloves, full suit, um, into the bag. But you know, this, for the most part, I always just try to check, you know, to do a carry on. So like this puffy packs down to like a small burrito. Oh, that's great. But it's weather resistant. It's, you know, sufficiently insulated for the fact I'm going to be going to Ethiopia and at high elevation and I need to be able to, I need to be able to have, um, Something perfect, something something worn, down or synthetic. And we're also going to be it is down, and then we're going to be going up into the Atlas Mountains in the motorcycle. So I need to be I can use this as a base layer. Base layer. Mm -hmm. So the other way to do it is I did a fly and ride out to LA one time. I wore I think I had a whatever the suit was. I wore my suit on the airplane. (laughs) So I wore. Not willing to do that. I wore my pants and my boots, Uh and I carried my jacket and my helmet. Uh huh. And that's all I took with me. I had like whatever, some snacks in my pocket and my phone. I remember that. And it took me about a half an hour to get through security. I bet. They're and like, the, what is happening? On the right? other end of security, they they asked me to never do that again. Because all the armor, that D3O, yeah. doesn't go through the... the uh, like it all shows up the, that you have like eight pounds it, of it C4. All looks like, it looks like plastic. It like eight pounds of C4 on <laughs> yeah. you. It was very difficult. With a helmet? I had to take it all off. They had to inspect it. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Lesson learned on the Overland Journal I would do podcast. it again because it's not illegal and it was really easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, that's funny. So, and then, you know, recently we covered um, the, the radio chatter game on the podcast. It's just a small, you know, family-run business and... We got a lot of great feedback on it uh-huh. uh, for people who liked it on on the show. So um, I'm going to ask you a question here. Oh, this one's loaded. Um, so <laughs> setting me up. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one says, "What is the best advice you have ever received?" Oh, like so. I don't know if you want to if you want to touch that one. Man, we, there's so. Or we can go to something more overlandy. No, there's there's so many things. I think that I think one of the things that one of the best little things I always remember is like, um, do like if you're choosing a career or, you know, you're working or whatever it is, do something that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Right. And I think that that. So why'd you come work for us? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't say that I listened to all the advice that I get. I'm just saying that's probably the best thing that I've ever heard. So yeah, that's, I think that that's one. And I've, and that's one of the things it's like, you can, and you can find the balance. Like yeah. even if you want to, you know, have whatever lifestyle, like that's fine. If you want to find the way to get that lifestyle, but yeah. do something that you enjoy doing. Cause I mean, how many people have you met? I would kind of, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't consider us to be the norm. Um, we're but, pretty, we're pretty lucky. Yeah, very much so. And, but you know, the general person that you meet on the street 
And if they're just kind of like miserable with their work, you know, and it's like because they hate doing what they do, yeah. yet they spend that much of their life doing a third it. of their life doing right. it. And so, yeah, even if it's, you know, there might be have other imperfections about it, but if you're doing something that you love doing or you enjoy doing, it makes it so much mm. easier. That's good advice. So. Thank you, Brian. Well, let's, we're going to uh, pivot into uh, talking about, um, we want to kind of focus on events for this Overland News because there's so many events in the space. And of course, the Overland Expo is one that we just feel has done such a good job of striking the balance between product and travel. They still spend a lot of resources bringing in well-traveled individuals from around the world and providing training resources that's difficult to find at other events. Other events do provide that, but the Overland Expo provides it at kind of a level that isn't really matched elsewhere in the industry. They do, and, and we do, or we're, we're one of the media sponsors or mm -hmm. the, the media sponsor of the event, so we do work really closely with them. But we've got a long history with the event. So we do. The, you know, we're probably a little bit biased on it, but I will say that one of the things that I've enjoyed watching them do is – you know, they've kind of got the four events now. Yeah. And they've had four events for quite a few years. So it not it doesn't seem like they're just trying to make as many more events as they can. Right. But what I do notice them doing is they're enhancing the quality and enhancing the experience of each of those events. Yeah, refining it maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it's not it's I would say it's a little bit more quality than it is quantity. Gotta take right. this jacket this uh it's so, the puffy such is a hot so, jacket. So warm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm impressed that you like the hood on the puffy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do like the hood just because it's one less thing that I'm, and plus I have no hair. Right. So like oh, I could, yeah, yeah. my brain could freeze have have very quickly because yeah. I have a small brain. I, so. I like the, I like the puffies without the hood uh, because I use them as an insulating layer under like a shell. I see. And then I use a hooded shell. I uh, see. But, I wouldn't bring both. But, oh yeah, you got to bring both. You've got to bring a shell. I wouldn't. Oh, you have to bring a shell. We're going to talk about I puffy. do actually have a shell with yeah, me. Yeah, puffy in a shell, and you're done. Yeah. And then if you're going really, really cold, you bring the exterior puffy that's like a size larger than what you normally wear. <laughs> and then you put that And over, then you take it through security. You no, know, you put it over all of your stuff, and that one has to have a... <laughs> Got and it. that way, when you're like, you stop at the top of the mountain, and you're just kind of like taking a break, so you don't like... You must ski or something. So you don't freeze uh -huh. and get into that like weird hypothermic thing, mm. right? You put that puffy on the outside and it's just like a big warm blanket but that one's got to have a hood but it's got to be oversized okay there's a science behind it all it sounds that makes sense yeah, it's fun it makes sense <laughs> so there's the overland expos and then there's another one the music festival i was telling you about yeah which is what the uh fort desolation fest that's right so the fort desolation fest is um i think it's happening in june and it is it's a music festival that is kind of focusing on the overland consumer. Mm -hmm. So the overland audience, if you will. So it's a, it's not, you know, it's kind of this overlandy atmosphere as far as, you know, lots of cool rigs, lots of vans, lots of trailers, lots of, you know, kind of really neat overland travelers, rigs yeah. and travelers, but it's not focusing on, Hey, let's learn about overlanding and let's do clinics and things like that. Yeah. It's just a three day music fest. Hmm. Um, and then they have a couple of little activations. Like last year they had, um, their main stage 
they powered the entire main stage using goal zero products. Oh, that's cool. Um, and solar. So they would charge all the batteries by solar during the day. And then at night, they just lit this center stage up for the, for the main acts at night um, and ran it all by, you know, goal zero batteries. That's amazing. And yeah, was, I mean, I think it was quite a feat for them to pull it off. Yeah. It was a really neat way to showcase it. Um, so they're doing that again this year. And it's on a private piece of property, kind of a private ranch that has a few very kind of bespoke buildings on it. Um, and then just like a nice grounds. I mean, they've got grass and they've got Sounds infrastructure. Cool. I think they even have a restaurant on site. Huh. Um, so that's a that's another good event that's coming into its second year. And yep. in fact, um, equipped Expedition Outfitters was the first sponsor to sign up with them. Well, and equipped is such a solid organization. Yeah. Something that they're behind seems worth yeah. keeping track of. And then of course there's the Overland Rally that's done by Ray Highland and team, and they are always do a good job. Two or three of those now. Um, I'm not sure how many they have. I think they have one in Canada, and they also have one in the BC. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So they've always done a really good job of those. Those are events that we founded many years ago. That's right. Um, and Ray runs those now. Um, and then there's also Josiah and the Journey of Lost Time, which is a Jur Journal of Lost Time. Journal of yeah. Lost Time, yeah. That's a publication. It's I think it is print, but it's definitely digital. And it's just a really nicely done publication. But Josiah also has a bunch of different events. There's like the Moonlander and there's one down in Baja and there's one up in the in the Oregon area. And I went to the one in Oregon and the, what stood out to me at that event that was very unique was that nobody talked about the gear or the vehicles, which I thought was very unique. So there was some very cool trucks there. Yeah. Like very thoughtfully prepared vehicles, but there was such a wide range of makes and models and like, is it a van or this one's a trailer or this one's a, a really synchro? Matter. Nobody cared. Right. Like everybody was talking about travel and they were talking about craft beer and they were talking about how cool this area was or where they were going next or maybe maybe challenges around travel that they were working through with other travelers but it really was not another gear fest which i really liked so and and josiah is a he's a very thoughtful like master of ceremonies like he's a really he's a cool dude so because he's a cool dude the events are very cool so yeah. i'd make sure that people are taking a look at those yeah i've had quite a few conversations with them this year and last fall cuz we're we're sponsoring their events this year yeah and, you know, they really are taking that focus of they just want to get a bunch of people together and have a really cool time. Yeah. And it seems like that they take that really serious. They do. Um, so every event has like a different vibe to it, which I think is really beneficial. And it's easy to, to look at maybe the fact that one event skews one way and mm -hmm. use that as a criticism, but that's not fair because there's so many different kinds of travelers yeah. that people want a different experience. They've so got, I'm glad that there's different experiences. I think it's four to six events is what they've got. Yeah. And, and they do. Everyone's a little bit different. Yep. Has its own, you know, kind of characteristic to it. That's right. And then what I really like is that they've got the Baja one because that is integrating some level of international travel. That's right. And Baja is 
that's pretty easy international travel. Oh yeah, but for sure. To the first timer, it could be quite intimidating and challenging. I remember I was terrified. Yeah, so, but, but how it was many something times I wanted. Been down there, and yeah, it's almost like yeah, you it's, know, it's safer than a lot of places. In the being States. in Arizona, we can go down there for the weekend. That's right. right. And so it's a, it's a great first international trip for people and, no, and to I be agree. able to go and meet up with a group of people that you would know that you kind of have a relationship with is, is or even cool. traveling with them down there. If you've got, if it's a first time into yeah. in across a border to get now a little the, bit of help, the actual, like the border crossings and the travel, that's not part of the event. Yeah. But you could pair up with like somebody else be, that's is yeah. on their way. Um, if you got a little concern, I'm sure there's a way to pair up with other travelers yeah, that are heading down there. People. Yeah. So that's an event that's happening. And then across the industry events, we see more and more penetration into the overland space. We see more and more overland presence at the... The more? You said more? The more overland expo. I think that's in Minnesota. There you go. And they've done really well. They've done really well with that. And there's a whole bunch of other events. If we have missed your event, it was not intentional. There was no slight intended. I did a list last year. In 2023, there were 64 overland related events yeah so and we've got to be up to 100 this year we've got a really good article on expedition portal that features those different events so if you've got a new event or you don't think that we're familiar with what you're doing check that article on expedition portal and see if you're on the list if not please reach out uh you can i'll give my information for contact at the end of the show there was one other one that we mentioned earlier or or before the the texas overland fest texas overland festival that's new they did their first one last year they're going to have another one this year nice and then there's the overland of america expo okay that's another new one um that is happening i can't remember the dates but that's happening later in the summer, I believe. And that's going to be at a property that is, it's a fully established property that, that is normally used for like off-road events, a lot of side-by-side events, a lot of Jeep okay. events. Okay. So I think they've got 15 to 20 miles of trails. Sounds cool. On the property. They've got restaurant, they've got a swimming pool, they've got, it's like a resort atmosphere on the property where you're going to have an overland event. Sounds amazing. So that's another good good thing. You don't even need a shower. Just jump in the pool. That's the thing. They have full full showers. They have all the things. They do. They've got dozens of showers, (laughs) like in a big shower building. It's it's pretty well appointed. Yeah, so there's a bunch of new events. If you've got an event, you don't think we're aware of it, please reach out because it'd be great to get an update on that because we're going to try to cover events in this way about once a year. Yeah. Um, and we'll, and if you, and if you do reach out with an event that's later in this year, we'll make sure to cover it in a future episode of the Overland News. Um, there's a couple kind of key product developments that have come out recently. Uh, Kuat now has these hard sides for their rack system. Um, this is one of the most impressive products that I've seen come onto the market in recent years. Um, they are a sponsor of the podcast, which I'm grateful for, but I'm also personally very impressed by the product. Um, so it's adjustable in height to two different heights. It's got these mole style panels that don't look mole. They actually look cooler. Um, and then you can put outboard uh, mountain bike mounts on it. Plus you can mount a roof tent on the top, whatever else, but they've just recently included, uh, the option for these lifting up sides and a, a rear 
lift gate uh, that can be bolted onto the system that basically makes it like any other topper. It's like a hard sided so, shell. Yep. So you end up with a hard top, a hard front, uh, hard sides, and a hard back. Uh, so it's a very clever solution that is now multifaceted in its approach depending on the time of year or what the intentions are with it. Uh, so it's very clever to see Kuat, who makes some of the best bike racks in the world, come out with a product now um, that's going to be very well suited to overlanders, especially overlanders that do want to bring things like accessory kayaks and mountain bikes along because they make some of the best mountain bike racks in the world. So I, I spent a lot of time with that Ibex system. So I put it on, it, it, we had it on a Tundra. And this is a neat thing about that rack. Is I, we had it on a Tundra. I took it off of the Tundra and put it onto the, the GMC, that that 2500 we had, yeah, 2500 HD AT4X AEV. Yeah, that's right. So acronym soup. But it's like, it's a great truck. And we took the, we took that Ibex off of the Tundra and just like, it was a direct swap. We put it onto the GMC. I think we had to widen it Uh about maybe three inches. Sure. But it was, you undo a couple of bolts, it slides apart and you tighten them down. Sweet. And we had... So we had that, it had the molly panels on the side. So we had a bike rack on both sides. And then we had the, I think we put the Intrepid rooftop tent okay. on top of the Ibex and we mounted it with those new um, those new Van Ultra quick mounts. Oh. So Van Ultra is a fairly new company that's making a, a quick mount roof rack or a quick mount rooftop tent bracket system. Clever. Um, yeah, so instead of the, kind of the four bolts, yeah. actually eight bolts. So it reduces it down to, from eight bolts down to four bolts. Um, and it's the it's set up so that all you do is you can quickly undo a knob and then the whole bracket separates and, and now you're done. The oh, tent's free cool. to take on and off. Oh, that's pretty clever. Um, so that we, you know, we put that through quite a few miles of off-road and, and the whole system worked really well. Yeah, that sounds, uh, and, and also it's just an impressive solution. A couple other things that have come out recently, Winnebago has just announced an overland trailer called The Hike. Um, we're trying to get one into test, but it looks very promising. I saw uh, that SEMA. Yeah. It's a, nice, it's a fairly compact package with a lot of space on the inside. Yeah, and that's kind of the sweet spot is that yeah. 14 to 16 foot box. And a lot of ground clearance. Yeah, so I think that we're seeing more and more trailers like that that are going to be really well suited uh, for longer term travel because you've got the use of Starlink now. So we're seeing a lot more of those coming on the market. Um, and then um, Nitto has their new Ridge Grappler hybrid tire. These hybrids are becoming more and more popular. Um, so you're looking at something that the center of the tread is like an all-terrain. The outside of the tread is more like a mud terrain with a little bit tighter lug spacing, but you have a lot of lug integrity. You have some good self-clearing of mud and other debris, snow, sand, etc. cetera. Um, but you end up with a fairly quiet ride and better, like be quiet and better fuel economy. So these hybrid tires are now coming out from more and more manufacturers. And they're a very well-suited tire for most overland travel because you know, crossing a continent, you can encounter everything from mud to sand to highway miles and everything else in between. So these hybrids uh, perform well and they have a little bit longer tread life than a typical mud terrain. So a lot of times it can help you get across the continent before you got to change out a set. 
So I think that uh, those new Nittos are really nice. Uh, Jackery just launched their new rooftop tent that has solar built into the lid, but then also has these wings of solar that kick out to the sides. It doubles. The, think about you know for everybody listening. Think about kind of a your wedge style tent. Yeah. So the the roof is about the size of the back of the truck. Yep. And so you flip it open, and now the solar panels slide out. Yep. To reveal more solar panels underneath, and so you've got double the double the surface area, and it's all solar panel. Yeah, it's pretty clever, and it likely integrates with their Jackery, uh, you know, their little boxes. power boxes. Yeah. But then it's also going to work, I bet, with a lot of other ones. Uh, we haven't tested this yet. Um, I'd be really curious to see how it does in higher winds. I'm sure they've taken that into consideration, but uh, we want to get our hands on one because it's a really innovative new product. They had a, now I'm realizing, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think at SEMA, I think they had a bit of a prototype on display, Yeah. but just didn't say anything. Yeah. And so there was a, they had a rooftop tent, a wedge, I'm not sure what brand it was, but it was kind of the wedge style um, opened towards the front of the truck and the, they had two solar panels on sliders. Oh, cool. That would slide out. They didn't have them deployed. Right. But I was, I saw this new tent and I went back and I looked at my photos from SEMA and you can see the tracks. Oh, clever. That where the solar panels are mounted. So it looks like that prototype, they would slide out. They just didn't have it deployed. Oh, that's interesting. And they never mentioned it because I met with them and they never said anything about it. And they do a good job. Um, They've done really well in some of our, you know, power supply tests. They do, yeah. They make a, I mean, there's a lot of battery boxes out on the market. Yeah, and then you see, to the other direction, you see Goal Zero that came out with uh, their own fridge. So there's been a lot of developments in the fridge space. It's got a battery built in, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. And it integrates with all of their, their battery packs. Um, and it, you know, it just allows you to have that single ecosystem. It likely pairs in with their Bluetooth and everything else. So, um, you get these, um, you know, kind of walled gardens of technology yeah. uh, that you can use across your electronics, which I think is pretty worthwhile. I am seeing, I think to the benefit of the consumer is that if you're depending on your use case, it used to be the only option was to have a dual battery system. Yeah. And now I think the dual battery system still very much has its place for the right use case. But you would see everybody and anybody doing a a dual battery system, even though that they would never really use it to full capacity. Right. And they can be quite complicated to to install and maintain. So now if you need a dual battery system, that technology with um, with Red Arc and a few other companies, that continues to advance. But then if you don't really need the full capacity of a dual battery system, these battery boxes and these standalone refrigerator freezers are kind of providing that solution for the maybe the more recreational user. Yeah, or, you know, like that's on the Africa trip, that's all I'm using is a battery box. Yeah. In the in the scouts, when you get a scout delivered, it just comes with a goal zero. Well, how simple. I mean, with the with the Grenadier. One you're, wire. You're yeah. not wanting to install no. a whole lot of aftermarket systems. You I just don't want to take that yeah. truck and see what Although I do does. use a lot of the Red Arc equipment on that truck. I have the, the Red Arc. right? I have a Red Arc um, battery isolator, and I also have 
a, a red arc solar blanket that I put on the windshield. Right. Um, so when the vehicle's parked for long periods of time, I'm able to top off the little battery box that I've got. And that's working pretty well. It works flawless. That's great. Because my, my power requirements are pretty minimal. Doing that 12 volt conversion to the Starlink with the unique componentry really dropped my power consumption with the Starlink. And their wiring uses the same plug as Dometic and ARB and a couple others where it screws in so that it just screws. So crazy just do that on 12 volt now. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah it's really good. So then the, the Red Arc uh, solar panel system that I have on the windscreen, uh, when I parked, it's more than enough power to run the whole thing. So run the fridge and the Starlink. Um, some other news is the Rebel Rally has come out with some training. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so most people uh, listening would probably know the Rebel Rally. It's a you know awesome women's event. only navigationally focused uh, kind of driving challenge event. Yeah, awesome uh, event. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a race. It's a it's a, it's a race. It's, it's, it's not a race. It's a race. <laughs> It's not a race. It's a race. <laughs> it's, Nina Barlow. It's not a race. It's a race. It's, it's a navigation challenge event. It's not a race. So they have, they've the last few years, they've done this really impressive job at doing training for the people who have entered in, right? Yeah. So you enter into the rebel rally and then you get this, this training that you can enter into as well. And that, I mean, it's like six months of training. If you yeah. want, not everybody has to never, you don't have to do it, but a lot of people take advantage of it. Yeah, it really helps the outcomes. From what I understand, and I hope I'm not wrong, but from what I understand, they're now offering those training classes to to any, you still have to be a woman, but they're offering it to anybody who is, you don't have to be entered into the Rebel Rally event but in what order a great, to take what a, a training. What a great thing though, because it allows people to gain skills and determine if it's something that they would like to do or not. Right. So yeah, I'm just, that event just continues to impress me with how awesome it is. So. Yeah. I kind of wish like if my daughter had more time, I'd want her to go. How rad would that be? All that training. Yeah. Be incredible. Yeah, that would be so good. So. And then uh, a couple other little pieces of news here. Um, X Overland is going to be launching their Africa series uh, on their Overland or their X Overland network. You've got six episodes, right? That's right. That'll be coming out. And we've got our own Africa series that's coming out here with uh, about the time that this podcast drops. Um, we'll have our first episode. So there'll be lots of cool Africa content. Of course, X Overland does an incredible job with theirs. Um, and mine's a different kind of story, uh, but I think that they're both uh, going to be fun for people to watch. So X Overland did a big loop through Southern Africa, and some of the footage that I've seen so far is all world. They just continue to advance their game in ways that are unimaginable. Yeah, they put out a trailer for the series. Yeah, it's it was, so good. It was Kind so of good. Captivating. So captivating. Really yeah. So much so. Um, and then, of course, our series will touch on our travels um, up the length of Africa from Cape Town, uh, most likely making a ride at Djibouti um, above the horn. Um, no, just real quick, because I don't know how many times you've talked about it and wh how, what people really understand of what you're doing. So, yeah. you know, so X Overland went over. They kind of picked a couple of areas of, of the continent to go explore. Some of the best. So they really focused on some of the best of Africa. And the footage is incredible. Yeah. Now, what you're doing is quite different. 
It is. Um, so what what we're focusing on is a um, a long axis crossing of the continent of Africa. We've done a short axis crossing of the continent of Africa. I did that in 2014 or or 2013 actually. Um, but we wanted to do this long axis crossing uh, to complete our crossings of all, all seven continents. So in technical terms, I've crossed all seven continents. I think first person in history to do that by any measure we can find. Uh, but this long axis crossing will be a Guinness record. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's got, it's, it's got different. a lot of levels to it. Yeah, it, it is, it, it is, it is. And it's, it's consistent with the kinds of things that are important to us at Overland International, which is to push uh, the limits in all the ways that we can. Uh, we did that with Expedition 7, um, and we do that uh, with, our, with our other travels to really understand how things work so that way we can best support our audience. Well, I had to put you on the spot and call it out because you've put a lot of hard work into that. (laughs) I have. have, This has been four years in the works um, and really grateful for the opportunity to also test the Grenadier. We're not being compensated by INEOS because we wanted to be able to speak freely about the use of the vehicle and the results that we have in using it in such a long uh, and arduous journey. So we're over 20,000 kilometers already on the Grenadier. I've had no failures. Um, I've not had to replace any components. I've not had um, any faults that kept me from going anywhere. So um, the vehicle has exceeded my expectations, particularly given that it's a uh, unit number 370 something. So it's very, very early in the manufacturing early process. Um, so, and I know people in North America are starting to take delivery of them. So if you, if you follow Overland Journal on Instagram or Expedition Portal on Instagram, or if you want a little bit more of a personal granularity around it, you can follow scott.a.brady on Instagram to see our journeys across Africa. And I'm about ready to leave to head back for the final segment um, of the Africa crossing. So I'm going to be flying into Morocco. I'm going to be riding the new Ducati Desert X Rally. And that's um, Morocco? In Morocco. Amazing. And then, uh, so I'm going to try to keep all of my limbs intact so that I can finish the next part of my of my Trans-Africa journey. So, um, yeah, riding so Ducati. Don't, don't be a hero. Yeah. It's an incredible motorcycle that makes you feel like a hero. Yeah. So um, it's one of my favorite new motorcycles on the market, period, because it's got range, capability, um, just overall comfort, and really lightweight. Um, so the Desert X is in a whole new class of its own. I mean, they're giving KTM a full run for their money on this thing. That's cool. So, yeah, we're going to go ride that in Marrakesh. And then I'll be flying to South Africa, doing some stuff with Paul May from Equipped and Jess from Easy On, going to do some traveling. I'm going to go interview Kingsley Holgay, who those are listening. Uh, this is an interview I've been trying to set up for since the very beginning of the podcast. That's going to be a treat to travel with Jess in his own backyard. Yeah, he is quite... That's going to be cool. Yeah, he is quite the traveler in Africa. Incredible spotter of game. Uh, like, he'll see... Uh, a leopard under a bush, like partly obscured by the carcass of an Impala. And he's like, Oh, there's a leopard 300 yards away. And I'm like, dude, I can barely see the bush, (laughs) you know? And he's like, and then you zoom in on your lens and sure enough, like there's the leopard. So he's really fun to travel with. And, and also very, he's a thoughtful designer and easy on makes really high, high quality components. So looking forward to doing that, but I'm really looking forward to spending time with Kingsley Mm -hmm. um, because he 
he's an overlander that in every kilometer that he travels, he's given back. So he will bring along trailers full of Mombasa nets uh, to try to protect children in Africa oh, from sure. malaria. From malaria. Uh, and I'm selling his accomplishments very short. This is some of the most recent stuff that he's doing. Yeah. But he's taking uh, modern defenders up the west coast of Africa, starting that in just a few months. So Kingsley Holgate, for those that don't know him, um, he is um, who I want to be when I grow up. I know 1% yeah, I of what this guy knew. Yeah, I'll do that. He's got a way I'm not better. A big autograph he's person. got a way better beard than I do too. So, but uh, yeah, so lots of stuff happening in Africa right now. Cool. What's next for you, Brian? Next is well, it's I most immediately um, headed to Shot Show. That's right. Next week, so I'll yeah, we'll have to touch base on that because there's always some interesting stuff that comes from Shot Show. There is. It's going to be quick. Um, you know, I'm going to go from Monday, Tuesday, um, and then. So it's, it's, you know, a day on the show floor and a day at the range. So it's going to be a, a pretty quick turnaround for that pew, pew. show. Yeah. Kind of have oh, it's to, so fun. Though. You have to go to media day at the range. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> it's, it's just like so, this. it's so ridiculously yeah, fun. I, I, I kind of, that's always on the calendar every yeah, year. Yeah. No, as it um, should be. Super fun. And oh, that'll be great. A day, a, a day on the show floor. Um, we've got a few meetings scheduled and, and then a bit of walking around to see. And then you are going to go drive the Lexus GX. And that's the big thing for next week. That is, is a big deal. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go drive the new Lexus GX 550. Yeah, and they've got the new over trail version. And I mean, just this vehicle, I could not be more excited about a Lexus than in ever. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be really really good yeah i got i got a chance to poke around it a little bit at sema yeah um so i'm i'm really excited to get it out on the trail well, i can't wait to it. hear your feedback on that so paula and yeah. you will be heading down to tucson we will. and capturing some content um and then we'll be able to give some feedback on that soon yeah i look forward to it so. well brian thanks for taking the time today yeah you bet it and was. for those that are listening and have been following the the new Overland News series. Uh, please give us some feedback on things that you'd like to hear more of or less of or how you like the format overall. Um, things that I need to do better because, of course, Brian is the man. So, Well, I tell you, it's, it's, I only covered about half of the stuff that I wanted it's to impossible. talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's there's impossible. There's probably another five trucks that I wanted to That's call right. out. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know. But we're at an hour. Yeah, right at the hour. We, yeah. I think we need to... Say, okay, we're only going to talk about trucks. We're only going to talk about events. We, we're all over the place, I which think is we great. Did good. I think it's fun. I think we did good. Yeah, we did a really good job. So Awesome. Well, you we know, thank that, you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.